Yo, it's Alex Terranova, and welcome to Flip the Lens, where Brie Holland, London Papa Michael, and myself smash down the walls of perfection, performance, and looking good to dive face first into deeply vulnerable and personal conversations where we expose and explore what it means to be authentic and how to succeed in a world desperate for a facade. Hey, good morning. Welcome back to Flip the Lens. I'm your DJ, London Papa Michael. We're back with Alex and Brie. Good morning, guys. How are we doing? I'm good. I'm pretty good. I'm uh it's a good I'm having a good week. I'm having a good week. I'm having a good morning. Yeah, the things sun are is shining. I'm taking little wins because otherwise I get overwhelmed. <laughs> I didn't set an alarm and I happen to wake up on time. So I guess this episode is meant to be. You know what's nuts is I haven't set an alarm in years, like literally since I retired myself and worked for myself. And I set an alarm today. So the one time you don't have an alarm, I actually had an alarm and got up at 6 a.m. and was so proud of myself. Oh, I did wow. absolutely nothing with the extra like morning time, but you know. <laughs> I also, I have an uncanny ability. If I could tell myself before I go to sleep what time I need to wake up, I can wake up within five minutes of that time. You guys are lucky. Is it a guy thing or is it like an internal clock thing? Because Aaron can do the same thing. Me, like. I can't do that. No. Uh, no. I, wake, I mean, I wake up between like an hour of a range, right? Like I'm, my natural alarm clock from waking up so early for, for like the last five years now wakes me up between like six and 7.30. But if I have something at eight, I can't wake up at 7.30. I need more, like I need more time to just like meditate and like get like, like come alive. I'm like a, yeah, I'm like a zombie for 30 minutes until I basically meditate. Yeah, it's taken all <laughs> I have to be present at the moment. <laughs> Challenge accepted. And speaking of challenges, we thought about it last week. You know, I think we're 30, maybe close to 30 or more episodes in. It's been a great run so far. And, you know, something that's a great topic and something that I pride myself on is hard work and work ethic and trying to go back and think about where I got mine from. I think it's a culmination of a lot of things, of things I've seen from movies, watching my father own an own business, but I remember him always having time to be there with the family. But at the same time, I remember he was always working. But he was always there as a dad, which is really cool. Then seeing my mom work three jobs, then playing sports. I finally started playing football in eighth grade. And then um, the older I get and the more I'm trying to become something and build something with my name and my brand, the more I just understand and study other people for success, right? That um, hard work and this work ethic is different for everyone. I know some people that actually thrive off of the four-hour work week. They actually make it work for them and they legit make it work for them. Again, to find things that work for you to pull different pieces. But, you know, before I ramble on too much, what does it mean to you too? Where did it, where did it, where was it instilled in your heart and soul of how to work and what to work? And when did you formulate it your own? Because in the end, I'm sure from all the little stuff that I've learned, I made my own version of what work ethic is to me. I definitely grew up with my dad, same thing, like seeing him work all the time. I mean, just, you know, providing for his family. I have two sisters, a brother. He worked all the time. And I just remember like, we moved, we made one move. Um, and I remember my mom always talking about, cause I was super little or not even bored. I just know that my mom always talked about like instilling, like he doesn't want to be gone, but <laughs> like, all of the things that we were allowed to do because of him working. And so like having that play a major role in visualizing the things that we had, the things that we did because of that, not that we felt like he was neglectful, 
like he's gone because of X and it always connected us back to, he's such a good dad. Like he's so present in the sense that, I mean, what kids get to travel to Africa for months, you know, like that's not an experience that everyone gets. We, I wouldn't say we lived richly. We were definitely middle, lower class, but the fact that they put their money and what they worked hard for two things that mattered to them made like direct impact on how I grew up. I mean, I was homeschooled. That's a huge sacrifice to have the mom in the home and not have both parents working. You know, that's a huge sacrifice money wise. Um, so for her to homeschool and, and for her to talk about how dad worked all the time so she could be home and buy the school curriculum and all of that, like it kind of led to this chain reaction. And we never as kids got allowance. Like that was not a thing. We, we went to private school one year, my sister and I, and when a kid told me that he got paid to make his bed, I was mind blown. Like, like you got money for that? Like, <laughs> where do I sign up for your parents to pay me to make my bed? So I just think that like money wasn't just like a given. You had to really put in extra. It wasn't something that, Hey, you're part of this household. You do chores because you're part of this house. So to do tasks outside of the normal or outside of what was expected is how we earned income washing you know drop claws from my dad he owned a painting business and seeing him grow that from nothing to what he has now um like i saw that from day one and so just knowing that he didn't just start a business become successful have amazing clientele like it was all word of mouth it was all hard work it was all doing the jobs that he hated doing first so I definitely saw if you want a business, if you want to be successful, it looks different for every person. He worked hard for us to be homeschooled, you know, not because we drove Lamborghinis. <laughs> like, so I think for me, that's where I got it from. When I, it's, there's so much that you just brought in and added to what London put in. Um, Cause I think about when I was a kid, man, I just wanted to like play sports and play video games. And when it came to playing sports, I think I worked hard. Like I threw the baseball with my dad every day in front of the house. Like I was good because we went to the batting cages a lot. We practiced a lot. Um, however, I would say that my dad pushed me to do those things. Like, I think I, I don't think he, he didn't like force me like I wanted to, but I think if my dad hadn't said, Hey, let's go pitch in front of the house. Let's go to the batting cages. I probably would just kept playing video games. And then I would have been upset that I wasn't good when the game showed up. So I'm really grateful that he actually pushed kind of like, I want to say forced it a little bit, but it didn't actually feel like forced. It was like that reminder, that accountability. Um, and when you brought up Brie, like the household stuff, we were totally those kids. I mean, it was me and my brother and I don't know how we would have got money if we didn't have like quote unquote chores that our parents gave us money for. And luckily we had parents had the means to say like, Hey, we can give you money right for this. There's obviously so many households where like, that's not an option. The money has to go to certain things, but I don't even think it mattered. Like it wasn't enough money that was that motivating for us. We maybe would do it because if we wanted a toy or something, but I don't actually think I learned about hard work until I was an adult. And I think it's actually been one of the biggest challenges for me um, as an entrepreneur is learning how to grind learning how to balance hard work and also like downtime relaxing. Um, I, and I should also say that like when I was in the hospitality business, you guys know that's hard work, right? When you're, I, when I used to, I remember there were some Cinco de Mayo's. There's one Cinco de Mayo. I used to run this Mexican place in West Hollywood. And this place was like a shit show on Cinco de Mayo. 
And I remember at the time I was dating a girl and she brought her friend and they like came and hang out and I worked and I got there at like 6am to set up. It was all day party. And I got home at like three or 4am and I walked in the door and she had waited up for me. And she was like, well, that was a long day, right? 6am to like almost like a 24 hour, you know, day. And I look at her when I walked in the house and I was like, man, I haven't eaten today and I haven't gone to the bathroom and I haven't drink, drank water. And I think there are those times where like my brain would just go onto autopilot and just keep going, which I've realized is a strength, but like intentional hard work where you're like, actually like, I got to put in this work. I got to make 50 phone calls. I got to go get a client. I got to write this book. I don't think I learned about that until I was like in my thirties and I had to like make myself. And I also had to deal with the fears of like, if I don't do this, what's the consequence? If I don't make these calls. I don't write this book. I don't do that work. Well, how am I going to pay my bills? So I don't know. I don't know if I just rambled on or what I just shared with you guys, but I think there are a lot of pieces to it. Yeah. The, the more I, yeah, I'm trying to dissect all these memories while you two talk, cause there's so many things I'm pulling from. I think part of me, everything I do, I do it with a sense of pride, but I think, and why am I that way? I think I've always been the new guy and then losing my dad trying to always not give you a reason not to like me. It's like, ah, well, I don't like the way he looks, but you can't say I didn't work hard. You know, always wasn't the kindest person because losing my mom really tore me apart. No excuse, but it just, it did have an effect on my personality. And I did change at a certain point in time for a little bit, you know, but you know, the restaurant business and, you know, having that kind of structure and working with all kinds of different people and that hustle and bustle of a busy night with six tables and trying to make it all work and time out your orders definitely taught me a lot. But I remember, uh, I am proud to say I've never been outworked in my life until I went to Florida. And, uh, I opened up the restaurant with my best friend, his father and their cousin, and we all know it didn't work out and stuff. But, uh, my buddy's dad that I opened the restaurant with, he, he definitely had the most amount of money in the restaurant. But this guy outworked all of us. And of course, we I've already said the cousin sucked. And I'm going to say it again. Blair, Blair, if you're out there, you suck, dude. <laughs> so, but um, <laughs> uh, uh, John, John Salutaire, this is my best friend's dad. This dude, like he didn't, it took him, it took me what, I think four to five months to take a day off. He finally took one off like within like the five month mark, but he was always there before all of us. He stayed longer than everybody. We said we would like let him take a day off. He wouldn't let us. And I, of course, maybe part of it was he had more invested, right? But this guy was the oldest out of the group. He beat cancer, you know, a few years prior. And this guy just worked and worked. And it was so cool to see like a guy that was older. He did, gave up the gym. He gave up going on dates. He just was so committed. And that's what it takes. You know, if you want something bad enough, you've got to be willing to make sacrifices. You've got to be willing to fight the little voice in your head, give up time of uh, seeing a pretty girl, giving up time seeing the boys for a beard um, and stuff like that. And there's and when you're doing it for the right reasons and you believe in it in your heart and soul, um, you can justify those reasons. And the people or the things that you're giving up, they should understand that you're giving up those that time for something that's important to you. And when I've done those kind of things, the, those people that were important to me in my life that I gave up, they understood. And there might've been a couple people I lost along the way, but you've got to get to a point to where you've got to be willing to grind. You've got to give up weekends. Like my roommate, when I first moved in, I was like, dude, what do you think about sports? And I might've told this story, but it's so good. I'm going to say it again. He's like, dude, it's great, but 
you think I'm going to take 12 hours out of my day on a Sunday just to watch guys play football? It's not doing any good for me and my business. Yeah, if there's a big game coming up or I'll spend an hour to watch Tom Brady sling it, but I, that's been embedded in my mind of like, do I really need to do this? What's LeBron James doing for me right now? The interview's an hour long, but I mean, I'll just watch the highlights on Instagram because it's not benefiting me and my life and my uh, wallet moving forward in my business. It's nuts that you bring that up because I think work ethic to so many people you hear work ethic and people would probably say, Oh, well I show up, you know, eight to five, I show up, I do my job. And Aaron and I were talking about this. I think yesterday we, we just think that there's like a whole generation of people that are entitled right now. I mean, we've seen it in like retail. I mean, we've worked in restaurants, he's managed and, and this isn't to single any one person out, but I think that what's happening and what we're seeing more and more of is people think that they deserve something, like they, they should just be getting something, but aren't willing to put in the work that like our parents put in. Like you said, um, this guy that you opened a restaurant with, like older, probably had the money, probably didn't even need to work as hard, but like had that, that mindset of like dedication to a project and dedication to to the end result, like, okay, I don't have to go sand doors, I don't have to go move chairs, but I'm going to because that's part of the process to get where I want to go and it's ingrained in you. And I feel like there's a generational divide where I see like, I worked in a restaurant and there would be servers that were like, I'm not making any money. And I'm like, you're walking up to the table with a scout, like you're just because you're here, like you're just not doing the job. You know, like I make 20 bucks off that table. We have regulars come in and I know he's going to give me a 50 and all he's going to order is a baked potato and chicken strips. Like, because he knew that like, I, I served him. I knew his order. I treated him well. I showed up not just to clock in, but to do a job well. And I think there's a divide of, there used to be servers. Like you should be lucky or I should just walk out. And it's like, well, you asked to work here. You filled out the, the application, right? Like, what do you mean? I'm lucky. You're a server. I can find servers. And so I think just a generational divide of what Aaron and I have seen is he's gotten told like, Oh, you're so lucky you have more time with your kids. Like you don't have to work as much. He was managing a bar and restaurant at a hotel working seven days a week. Like sometimes would take a day off. And when he had that day off, he would spend it with his kids. And he's like, this other manager has more days off than me, but spends it at the bar, not with her kids, right? Her kids are with grandma. And so it was just irritating to us to see like, we work really hard. We put in hours and hours and for two years agreed that we wouldn't have a date night. We worked opposite schedules. You know, I put in time into this online business while I worked in retail. People don't see that. They only want to see, oh, well, London, it's great. Like your name and you have a great Instagram and you have connections and got into this gym, you know, from the outside. It's so easy to just say, well, that's great for you. You're so lucky. And I'm like, lucky? Like, <laughs> Aaron gave up two years of being with his kids to hustle at a job so that I could then hustle at a job from home. And every time I put her to bed, you didn't see me up till 2 a.m. messaging people, growing my social media, doing all the things I do, emails. Like, what do you mean lucky? Like, <laughs> but I think there's just this mentality of wanting to see a bubble of where someone's at I mean, I could look at Alex and be like, oh, it's so great. You get clients and you're a life coach. But like, how many free calls did he do? I mean, you did a free call for me, Alex. When you started oh as a coach, God. I remember. Oh you're like, God. let's go on the phone. And I, I was like, still... I don't know. You're going to 
convince I me. still do it. It's all yeah. like it's all the time. I mean, you know, I think that's a great point. Like, um, if I look at coaches, right? You, everybody, it's impossible not to look at the world right now and how many coaches there are. And I just got like a designation where I got certified by the International Coach Federation, which is like the governing body of coaches in the world. Um, it's global. There's no other one that really like they accredit the coaching schools that lots of people go to and whatnot. And I've got this uh, certification or designation of PCC, which is professional certified coach. It's taken me five years to get this designation. It didn't have to take that long. It took me that long. And not because I'm not a good coach, but because I kept getting in my own way, right? I wouldn't do, I wouldn't practice the right things to pass the test. But I say it because I'm one of now like 7,000 coaches in the world that have that designation. In the world, right? There's 9 billion people. I'm one of 7,000. And the higher credential, thank you, London, is like a master certified coach, which is the next, the highest level. And there's only like a thousand of those, I think, in like the whole world, right? So that's what's next for me. But people don't, you know, somebody said to me the other day, you charge a lot. And they're like, but I only get this much time, right? They looked at like, I get this many hours with you and this would have cost. And I went, yes, right? Like the fact is black and white. Yes, you're right. But that's not what you're actually paying me for. You're paying me not only for the last six years and the hundreds of clients I've coached the experience you're paying me for Brie. I love that you said the free sessions. Yeah. It used to be to get one client when I started out, I bet I had to do 20 to 25 free sessions. That's 25 hours to get one person to hire me for a much lower rate. Right now I would say for every three sessions I give out, I'll get one or two, one or two of those people will hire me. Right. I'm that much better. I'm finding people that are more like the people that want to hire me. So I'm not, wasting my time as much with people that aren't the right fit. You're paying for all that experience that I brought. You're paying, you're paying for all the time I spent in the classes and the workshops, the over 200 books I've read in the last few years. You're also paying for the 20 years I spent in the hospitality business, running restaurants, like overseeing operations, hiring managers, training managers, creating like HR and training material, like all these things. And now I didn't like go off on somebody, right. And tell them this, but it took me a long time to realize like all that hard work and all the things I've done actually added up and got me here. There's no shortcutting any of that. Now I know there's people online. If like, if I just stay in this coaching sector who are maybe successful at something else, maybe they're not, they're a good marketer and they just like plop up a website. They have a really good Instagram campaign or Facebook campaign and they start making a bunch of money. It happens, right? But my guess is that it's gonna come back to bite them in the ass because they actually haven't done the work. There's always a quick way to make a quick buck, but I don't know that there's ever a way to make a quick buck without having put in the time or the effort or the energy or the commitment that is actually long lasting and like um, pays off. I'm also thinking about uh, you know, those things where they do like freeze the fat. Have you guys heard of this? Yeah. So there's this really funny thing I learned. You can go get fat frozen off your body and it'll essentially kill the fat cells. The fat will go away. <laughs> Somebody I knew wanted to do freeze the fat. And one of the things that the doctor told them, I'm not going to say who it is because it might be embarrassing, but what the doctor told them is, Hey, it kills all the fat cells. Let's say you want to do freeze the fat on your lower, on your stomach and your love handles kills all those fat cells. Well, if you keep eating, 
that fat has to go back on your body somewhere. Well, because it doesn't have fat cells around your gut, it's going to go somewhere else. So sometimes people that used to put their weight on around their gut, now they got fat arms or they got fat legs or they got man boobs or like their shoulders are chunky, okay. right? Like, yeah, who, who knows, right? It has to go somewhere. And I love that idea of like, yeah, you can shortcut the diet and the fitness, but it's going to come back and it's going to get you if you don't keep up the mindset and the work some fat arms or a fat chin. <laughs> yeah. And that I was thinking about the whole mental approach of, you know, taking that, um, what I've done in the gym or maybe I've, I've done tackling in the uh, work environment of whether I've, I moved furniture, I painted for a little bit to make some extra cash over, opened up a restaurant, was a bar manager, was in sales, but there's also taking that work ethic as you mature and realize what's important as well as tackling when I was struggling with my credit. Cause I had to, I didn't have to, I chose to ruin my credit kind of on accident to pay for stuff when my mom passed away. There's only so much money there. You're struggling in sales up and down. Oh, well I got these credit cards to help me keep afloat, help my sister get in college, help her get a new car. I accept the responsibility for that, but it was easy for me to kind of put it on the back burner for a little bit and just keep pursuing life. And I'll face that later. And it's like, well, you got to face that in the mirror too and bring your work ethic and bring how you make a workout plan and how you've been successful in the restaurant business and use that towards tackling that as well and writing it down. How am I going to break it down? Well, let me study. Let me listen to people that are in financing. What's a book? Oh, what name keeps popping up? For example, Dave Ramsey keeps popping up, you know, and using that as well of where I fought in life tooth and nail for so many things, but not fighting for that. And now I've learned in time to, you know, take that work ethic into everything. But I also have gotten in trouble for being really intense. And, you know, it's like, hey, you can bartend your ass off, but you still need to look up and smile every now and then too, you know, and then in life in general too, right? And not let it consume you. But not everyone needs to be Tom Cruise. Not everybody needs to be part of every detail and know everything. And as soon as your new movie comes out, you're already working on the next one. You need to be able to look yourself in the mirror and know that you gave the effort that it deserved. And if you're not getting to where you want to be, can you look yourself in the mirror and know, you know what? Well, I left early every day this week. Ah, uh, you know, my lunch break, I didn't eat that well. And now like, I don't really have the energy to finish my job as well. And just be able to hold yourself accountable, you know, but it's something I've always held. Um, I've taken pride in it's being able to say, you know, I've definitely, uh, if I, you know, I give my all to what I do, you know, if I'm, whether it's, talking right now, whether it's in the gym or helping a client or uh, making my bed in the morning. If I'm going to do something, I believe I do it right. And I think that's helped uh, me be uh, doing what I'm doing now and have a little bit of success and me feeling happy with what I'm doing, you know, and I got a ways to go, but being taking it into your mental approach as well is huge and been a game changer for me. I was thinking about um, something that David Goggin, I don't know if you guys know who he is, um he has this this like accountability mirror thing like look in the mirror he says a ton of cool stuff i mean his book is incredible his story is incredible but um just something that resonated with me was like you will always find an excuse if you don't want it bad enough like you will always find an excuse and reasons to validate why you're not doing it and find people and look at their life and say, because of this, this is why they can. And I, it's crazy because people ask about my social media. How'd you grow your social media? Like I didn't buy followers. I didn't get a free pass to, you know, an Instagram following. 
it was six years. I have to be honest with you. I'm not going to create a marketing campaign and say, oh, I'm going to teach you how to get followers because I don't know the secret. I just know I showed up long enough to grow this amazing following in community of women, right? Like <laughs> there's no magic sauce. You can buy, like Alex said, you can buy your way through things, but at the end of the day, you're going to then have a crappy following and your engagement. Instagram's going to be like, this is a bunch of fake accounts. This is whatever. You're not going to have, you're not going to make sales. You know, so at the end of the day, I'm like, I'd rather have 25,000 genuine followers and it not be about the number. So when David Goggin was talking in his book in this chapter about looking in the mirror, it was eye-opening to me when I first listened to his book that I can look at somebody with 100,000 followers on Instagram and say, well, it's so easy for them to sell a product, so easy for them to make an income. But if we're not willing to say also that person gave up date night, that person started at zero, that person, you know, gave up six years of their life to take pictures and content every week and create captions and like all of the behind the scenes, if we're not willing to accept that responsibility, we can't be jealous of what a person has or, you know, look at the work ethic. I just think that there's so much behind the doors of what I've made. I can manifest and say, Hey, I made a six figure income um, in three months with this new company. I don't say that because it wasn't three months. It was six years of really hard work and people trusting me. Um, so yeah, do I love what I do right now? Absolutely. Did I grow it really fast? Absolutely. Do I think that someone that has 20 followers on Instagram, just getting into social media and direct sales can do what I did in three months? Probably not realistically, because people want to say and sell this story of, look what I did in three months when in realistic, you know, scenario, Aaron and I built something for six years, sacrificed a lot to be able to have the freedom to move to something new and have that success and project numbers for what that looked like for us. Um, London, I mean, I'm sure there's, you know, trainers all over California. You know, we were talking before we started recording. I want people, I could go out to the street and hand out my business card and find, you know, people to work with. I'm sure, you know, if you went out there and just, you know, sprayed your card everywhere and tried to get a friend to bring a friend, you know, but then are you miserable? Because like, they're not the people I want to work with, or they're going to complain or whatever. You have to have that niche. So I think that when you look in the mirror, ask yourself, am I jealous of someone's success or what they have or what they've created? Am I also willing to be jealous of giving up date nights? Hours of non-paid time that I put into my business. Those things are just such a behind the scene. And I feel like we all have put in the time. We all, and are still putting in the time. Let's be real. Like seven years of growing a business. I'm like, I'm just getting started. I'm a baby. Alex, you said you still do free sessions. London, I'm sure you do what it, it, it consultation or like, Hey, let's see in the gym if we're meant to work together. Like I'll give you a free training session. Let's see if we vibe, you know, there's things that we all do that don't equal a paycheck that don't equal things and stuff and a nicer car and a nicer apartment and nicer house and better clothes for our kids. Like we all sacrifice stuff because at the end of the day, what I'm doing as an impact is what really fuels me. I mean, the many, yes, I've got to feed my kids, but I've got that now. <laughs> you know, like everyone at some degree has made a level of comfort, whether that's 10 grand a year, 50 grand a year, a million dollars a year. I mean, we all have our comfort level of what we're willing to give up. I see people going out on the weekends and say in the same sentence, oh, you're so lucky, Brie. <laughs> like I haven't gone out or drank or done any of that in 
years because I wanted this more. So I don't know if anyone wants to follow with that, but um, I just think that more people need to check themselves, see like, where am I falling short? Am I putting in the time? Like I say, I want this, but am I, am I really evaluating the time and putting in the energy to creating something, whether that's a business or losing weight or whatever it is that you're trying to create in your life? I want to, I think maybe this is the last thing I'll put in here and add is it's, I think we get lost in the why we're working hard for the thing on the surface. So I want to create, I'm, I'm making this up, but like I want to create a business or I want to get that body that I want, or I want to like get the house that I, whatever it is. And the thing that often baffles like my clients when I ask them is, especially at the beginning when they don't, I'm asking them these questions. It's like, but why, why do you want that body? Why do you want that house? Why do you want to make the money or like create that thing? And that that's where the real hard work is going to make sense because if you're just doing it if i'm like i want to look like london i want to look like london and that's why and so i and then now i gotta wake up early i gotta go to the gym every day i gotta watch what i eat i gotta run two miles um all these things just to look like london isn't that's not going to be enough like what's the why so then if i say well i want to look like london because i'll feel better about myself well, here's the, I think this is the catch 22, you won't. If you don't actually do the work to feel better about yourself, even when you look like London, those internal feelings won't change. You can't change your inside through outside. It's like why we see so many rich people that are depressed and suicidal. So many successful men, men, the highest rates of suicide are with white men and in, specifically in America. But like often a lot of these people are successful, but they thought that getting the house, the boat, the body, the girl, the whatever, was going to make them feel differently inside. And that's not the case. So if you're hearing all this and you have these goals, but you're falling short in the hard work or the discipline or the commitment, I would ask you to look a level deeper and say, what am I doing this for? What's the feeling that that house is going to give me the body, the money, and then start practicing generating that feeling. You know, you want to be a good, I talked to somebody the other day that said, I just want to be a good man. Great, let's start being a good man right now and not wait till we've done all this to be a good man. Let's be a good man every day, make your decisions and your commitment. Let's tie in getting up and going to the gym with being a good man. You know, maybe take somebody along with you that doesn't have that motivation. So that's what I got. Anything else you think, London, that we need to wrap up, play it on before we wrap up? Yeah, that was powerful, man. And that's a, in the end, you know, it starts and ends with you, right? And if you want it bad enough, you got to be willing to do what you need to do to get it. And a lot of times figuring out what you need is a process and to be able to do your put you, put in the time to find out what you need to do and continue to add to your circle that is going to force you to level up that you can learn from. I didn't try to compete with Steve Weatherford. I just wanted to learn from him, you know, and when you start teaming up with other people, it's another way to really hold yourself accountable because not only do you feel like you might let yourself down, you're putting somebody else's name out there and it forces you to level up saying, oh, this guy's giving me an opportunity to write programs for him. I better bring it, you know, but in the end, you better bring it because it's for you and your name's on the line and you got to take pride of who you are and what you're about and understanding what your way for you to be successful is. And it Success doesn't amount to just 40 hours a week or 80 hours a week. Some people can be extremely successful, happy internally externally working 30 hours a week do the research for you but in the end you can't i can't go off of what alex is doing or you know 
Al Pacino and the success and Elon Musk, it's me and I have to set my own barometers and fight the good and bad with me. So appreciate you guys. If you guys have been tuning in, looks like people are still listening. How about you share it with somebody? How about you leave a review? I haven't seen a review in a while. I'd love to hear what you think. We're definitely trying to, you know, be as um, authentic as we can and have true conversations of the good, the bad, and things we don't feel like talking about. And we're going to continue to do that. And uh, I appreciate you both. Enjoy your weekend. Thanks, man. Thank you for listening. It's not easy to create these episodes, but we know it's important. We need more real, open, and honest conversations because we know that whatever you're going through, whatever you're dealing with, you're not alone. A life pretending isn't worth living. So please share this podcast with a friend. And thanks for listening.